What is up, everybody? Welcome to NFTs in the Arena. You're with your host, Michael Savides, and today we have a very special guest. And before we get into that, everyone that is watching and listening, please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as all of our socials. We are growing week on week. So today we have Mr. Kale Camden. Kale, first of all, welcome and thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate of course, it. of course. So everyone, just uh, a bit of a background on Kale before we get into the actual um, question, questions that I've prepared for him. Is that Kale is the CEO as well as founder of Byte Media. So what Byte Media does, amongst many other things, and part of the reason why I actually want uh, Camden on the on the call, I mean Kale on the call, is because they are helping Web three, NFT, and blockchain companies optimize their growth. So they're helping up with a lot of business development as well as Kale's also a best-selling author. And this is something that I also wanted to cover because the title of the book is called, is called Decoding Digital and it's what is cryptocurrency. And Kale, just so you know, a lot of our audience are not only sports and crypto fans but also NFT um, enthusiasts. And there are still a lot of people learning on the, on the podcast of what crypto is, what NFTs are, and how that's actually going to be integrated into everyday life. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, tell me about Byte Media and how that was started and the work that you're doing and some of the companies you are working with. Yeah, absolutely. So Byte Media Group, I started it probably about six, seven years ago. Um, essentially, I, I had been doing some, I had come from the sales world, Wolf of Wall Street style sales, uh, really intense, moved into the tech world and got into marketing. And then I, over time, started doing some freelance work. And I said, you know what, I can probably make this into an agency and started growing from there, growing my client base in tech. And then um, it just so happened that a friend of mine who had consistently pushed me to get into crypto asked me to help his startup. And so I did, and then completely fell down the crypto rabbit hole, read the white papers for Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I just went all in. And what what year would, would that have been? The reason why I ask is so we've been in the so, sorry. The reason why I yeah, ask is because previously we had a guest on by the name of Julian Rodriguez, who was um, he worked for Bitcoin Magazine in 2013 together with Vitalik Buterin from Ethereum. Would you say you got involved around that time, or perhaps sooner than that? No, I wish. I wish. Um, I had I had known about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency when Bitcoin was probably, I want to say 150 bucks. Um, but I didn't believe in it. I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't believe in it. I didn't put anything into it. I just thought, you know, this is, this is a, this is like a video game. It's, it's not, it's impossible for this to be worth money. And I just really didn't understand it. And it wasn't until my friend said, Hey, can you, like he's, he's been talking about crypto for a year or so at that time. And um, he asked me to help his startup with marketing. And so that would have been, I guess, five and a half years ago now, 2016, 2017, something like that. So I was a little little behind. Yeah, it's it interesting because, I mean, even five years ago, I think that was, what, 2017, call it that. It was also when I started yeah. learning about crypto myself and not only Bitcoin, but Ethereum was obviously now this little guy coming up behind Bitcoin, and we've all seen how Ethereum is today, and now with this whole merge that's about to materialize, and 
the supposed benefits and the supposed um, scrutiny that it's still coming under, under with regards to its sustainability. What are your thoughts and like, how do you see the, the next five to 10 years with regards to the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum? And I, I do know in your book, you talk about the risks involved in cryptocurrency as well as how do you protect your cryptocurrency investments. Do you want to maybe help enlighten our audience on these two topics? Yeah, sure. So the next five years is, is one of your questions. Mm-hmm. And then the second question is, um, how do you protect your crypto? How do you get into your, into cryptocurrency? Yeah. Right? So I think, I think, I think for those who are listening or watching who are thinking, uh, cryptocurrency, it's like, it's had its time or even NFTs, uh, NFTs, it's had its time. We're still so, 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 so early. Like we're really so early. We've just scratched the surface of some of the possibilities and potential of cryptocurrency, of NFTs. And so I think over the next five years, you know, who knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. But over the next five years, if we're going to look at the general landscape, I think we're going to see blockchain fuel a lot more of the behind the scenes activity for companies. So, you know, banks, you know, um, payment solutions, real estate, like they're going to start integrating blockchains into their technology and we just won't even know it. So I think that that's already going to be happening. We, of course, are going to see more regulatory um, activity. It's become a real thing. Bitcoin hasn't gone away in 10 plus years. Uh, The governments are going to want to get their tax and, you know, they're going to want to have a piece of the action and we're going to see that happen. We're also going to see more central bank digital currencies come up. So it's a whole different topic. But, you know, with crypto, I think with crypto and blockchain, we're in a place right now where we're early days. Yes, we're going through crypto winter now. We're going to see a lot more action and activity happen with crypto, with NFTs, with payments, with dApps, so decentralized apps. And, and we're going to see a lot more, a lot more growth in this space over the next five, 10 years, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think your point around that we still knew, you know, it's still newfangled, if you want to call it that, even though it's been around for some time, I just think it's become very much mainstream now. And obviously the media has publicized this more so on the negative side than the positive side, like with anything. And I tend to agree with you with, uh, with in regards to that. And my next question kind of follows up from that is, Obviously, now there's a lot of brands like Nike and a lot of these big brands pushing um, NFTs in the metaverse. And a lot of them have generated significant amounts of revenue from the sale of NFTs and the secondary sale. And I think speaking to your point of that, I think people maybe don't understand the actual utility and usability of NFTs beyond the the digital artwork is often misconstrued and perhaps misunderstood. How, how do you see the future of NFTs, and particularly maybe in the industry like sports or in business, whichever you favor? Right. So we work with companies who are looking to apply NFT technology to their businesses, right? We work with artists. We've helped launch artist platforms to trade NFTs, et cetera. Um, so what I'm telling you is like some behind the scenes activity from, from what we're seeing. NFTs, yes, art is a fantastic starting point. Um, But as we go forward, we're going to start to see NFTs really take, I think, a hybrid approach to real world value and digital value. So that NFT that you have, 
you gotta remember an NFT is is essentially it's essentially like a unique identifier for something that no one else has, right? It's kind of like your fingerprint. Um, you can use your fingerprint for multiple different things because it's only something you have. Okay, so an NFT can be done in the same way. So um, NFTs can be applied to access passes. Okay, we've already started to see that. It can be applied to ticketing. It can be applied to signatures on you know real estate. It can be applied to all sorts of things in terms of giving you access to games, giving you access to potential rewards, allowing you to, you know, contribute in, in different ways in the real world and in the digital world. And so I think we're going to see a lot more brands move, move in that direction. You know, especially on the sports side, wow, there's so many opportunities for, you know, imagine a single, a single athlete can have their own unique set of rewards, games, merch, in-person meetups, like so many things based on an NFT that they provide. And that NFT could be, you know, attached to the ticket that you bought, you know, for the stadium that you're going to. There's just a lot of things that can be done. You know, if you select the athlete that you want to follow at the stadium, and now all of a sudden you get access to that athlete's, you know, unique rewards. Like there's just so many neat things that I think we can, we can, uh, it's interesting that you say that, and I'm glad that you did because I think right now we're in this in this NFT or crypto winter, as, as you just mentioned, right? And I think a lot of people, particularly the sports industry, is pioneering this space. From what I'm seeing, particularly in the collegiate space here in the United States, with the the obviously leveraging the, the whole NIL, the name, image, and likeness, and allowing athletes, regardless of which. Um, bracket they're forwarding, whether it's collegiate, high school, or the professional field, can now actually monetize the NIL, which is starting to become more prevalent with the utilization of NFTs. So I, I, I do definitely see and agree with you on that. And one of the things I wanted to get into is obviously you and I obviously looking at researching the work that you've done and the clients that you've worked with. You're very particular in the way you, in which you communicate how you want to work with clients and the type of clients you want to work with. And obviously focusing on Web3 and NFTs, I'm sure you inundated with people approaching you because this is obviously the next hot topic, right? How do you go about selecting companies in which you work for? And just so the audience knows, Byte Media helps essentially growth hack. And I'll let you talk more to that of how you're getting these companies from one, one, uh, one place in time, 10x in um, their growth and their, I would imagine their revenue that comes along with that. How do you go about choosing companies and what are some of the favorite projects that you've worked on that you, you are allowed to talk about on, on the podcast? Yeah, great questions. Um, so we, so I guess in a, in a high level, the way we choose projects is based on a combination of the founding or directing team. Are they interesting, cool people to work with? You know, I, I don't want to work with, neither does our team. We don't want to work with, you know, jerks. Like it's just, it, it, life's too short for that. Um, so are they interesting people? Okay, great. Is the idea a legitimate idea? So we've been, we've been around since the ICO boom. Like we've been approached with all sorts of, you know, pie in the sky ideas and, you know, Ponzi schemes. And like, the, I've seen, I've seen all of that stuff. And yeah, some of that stuff can make money for sure. Like if you get approached 
by someone who's going to throw a lot of money at, at, a, at a marketing campaign, but the idea is not legitimate. Yeah, you know, that, that does happen in the crypto space, especially, right? Especially when markets are hot. So the second thing we look at is the, is the idea legitimate? Like, is this something that I would personally want to invest in, partake in, be a part of? And if it's not, I just, I don't work with that, with that company. Um, so those, that's, that's how, we, how we go about uh, choosing the projects that we've worked in. You know, we're, we're really big into privacy. So I'm, I'm a really big believer in privacy. I think that that, that is, uh, you know, human rights, something that we, we all should have. And so, you know, for example, one of our clients is Brave Browser. Right? Super cool browser. We love what we're doing. We love the team. You know, they're, they're fantastic people to work with. And I think they're really pushing the envelope in terms of, you know, internet browsing protection and more things that I can't talk about. Yeah. But that's, that's an example of an interesting client that, that we like working with. And then there are other clients that, you know, we've helped, uh, you know, have been an advisor to or have been a fractional CMO to, and we've helped them go from almost zero to acquired by Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank or, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Um, you know, so that, that's, that those are, those are also fun projects to, to have worked on. Right? Yeah. I'm sure fun as well as rewarding. And I think because you are essentially now allowing companies that are basically staking their claim in this industry that is still kind of unknown to a lot of people. Right? I think when, I don't know about you, but I have conversations with people around either cryptocurrency, but more so NFTs, there's still this lack of education, this lack of trust. And I think they kind of go hand in hand where you generally can trust something once you're educated on it. And I think uh, with SportsFinder, for example, a lot of the athletes in which the company works with and when you're launching these NFT collections is we try to communicate to the athlete and their team that the success of this NFT is going to be determined by how, yes, how SportsFinder pushes us, but also you need to be mindful of the fact that your audience, your fans are the people that are going to be buying these NFTs. So the more you can educate them and the more that you can actually help them understand the value and the utility, like you were saying, these one-on-one -on -one fan experiences, the ability to, to have a, a connection with, with the athlete that you've, you've grown up. I mean, I wish I could do that. I'm a huge soccer football fan and I would love to have connected with the athletes that I grew up looking up to. And I think what I did want to also ask you is also focusing on your book now. I mean, I haven't read it, but I did read up on it. Can you just um, take us through where the inspiration for that came through, how you put that book together and what you hope that book will actually do? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree with you about, about the, the sports side of things. Like I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity, opportunity there. The book. Yeah. I wrote this book, um, I guess it would be three years ago now. And I wrote the book because at the time, we had the, the ICO boom was happening. My friends were asking me about different things. And my family had come to me at the peak of the ICO boom and said, hey, we've got a tiny bit of money. Should we invest it into crypto? And my immediate reaction was, no, we're at a peak. I don't know when it's going, when this bubble is going to pop. We're at a peak. And they asked me, well, why? And I didn't know how to easily explain it to them because they had just no idea about cryptocurrency. And so I thought, all right, let me explain it in the simplest way possible that I, that I knew how. So the book is broken down into, it's not like a read it from start to finish. 
right? You can actually flip around to any topic or section that you are interested in. And it's broken down into three different phases, you might say, or, or sections. The first section is like a really quick, high-level overview of the topic. So, you know, what is a cryptocurrency? Okay, well, cryptocurrency is a digital form of you know, a value that is exchanged in bull. You know what I mean? So it's a high level. Then there's we go a step deeper. So that's the second phase, which is okay. Explain it to me in a little bit more detail. Like, how does it work? Why is this important? Um, what what can you do with it? And then we go even deeper if you want. And so it's like, really give me some insights and some things that I can impress my friends with. And so now we get into the, the nerding out about the subject and like the nitty gritty details and, you know, how, how, does, how does cryptocurrency really work? What is a block? How big is a block? How many blocks are created every, you know, week? Like, how does this, this stuff really work? But it's up to you to decide how far you want to go down the rabbit hole. If you just want to get a high-level overview of things, you absolutely can. And you can read the book pretty quickly. If you want a little bit more knowledge, you can also do that. And if you really want to nerd out on the subject and go down the rabbit hole and find the links that I've included in the book as well to take you further down, down your learning journey, you can do that as well. So that's how I wrote the book. Fantastic. And I just so the audience knows, I'll put the links to the books um, in, in our description for the podcast so they can go there. I do know that it's on Amazon for sale. I definitely want to get the book myself after now meeting you and obviously having this conversation. So now with this merge of Ethereum and this whole idea that it's supposedly to reduce the need or the, the reliance on the amount of energy it's currently generating or that it's requiring, and then there's also a movement now of people moving to the polygon, moving now transitioning from the polygon to the polygon network, essentially. And I'm seeing this quite often now. People are moving between um, blockchains and just based on the hype and based on what people are telling them. What is your whole thoughts on the sustainability around these cryptocurrencies and these blockchains? And um, do, you, do you believe that this hype now with Ethereum is warranted? Or what is your opinion on that? Yeah, I think the I think there's pros and cons, right? So again, I said I'm I'm big into privacy. Let's start with the cons. Bad news first. One of the challenges with I think what we're seeing is this move from proof of work. And for those who don't understand what that means, it's really you've got computers that take energy, right? And they are processing code or algorithms to find a match to unlock the next blockchain. So they're the ones who are verifying all the transactions, okay? So that's proof of work. Computers are doing work to proof of stake. And proof of stake happens where people lock up their cryptocurrency, which includes records of all the previous transactions, literally from the start. It includes those records. And so the more records that are locked up, Right? The more we can look at those records and essentially say, hey, is this new transaction valid? Yes or no? Well, let's look at 10 records from the past and make sure that this all leads to our current point in time. So that's proof of stake. Okay? Now, obviously, in both scenarios, proof of work, the people who have the computers get paid to do those transactions. Proof of stake, 
the people who stake their cryptocurrency as validators of the records of that blockchain, they get paid, right? So now we're moving to proof of stake. The challenge with that is from a privacy perspective, I think it, 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 uh, it opens up uh, some challenging things for, for um, people who are really looking for privacy. Why? Well, because now you've got yeah. hundreds of thousands, millions of records stored online that can easily be accessed by you know, regulatory agencies, let's call it. So I think that's, that's a challenge. However, proof of stake should also lower the transaction fees on Ethereum. So if you're going to buy an NFT, you should be able to get it at a lower fee. If you're going to use your favorite DAP or you know, online Web3 experience, you should be able to transact at a cheaper rate. So there's those pros, which leads to more adoption. But then there's cons of, yeah, well, now is it is it as private from a security perspective for all your data? Maybe not as much. And so I think there's there's a bit of both. Does it live up to the hype? We'll have to see. Like you know, it's it's a, it's it's been on the books for a long time, and you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of challenge in in moving in moving this direction. And so let's see if it lives up to the hype. Yeah. I think to your point, that's why there's other there's other there's other applications like Polygon, um, you know, Binance. Like there's other there's other chains that are opting for cheap, quick, uh, you know, efficient transactions yeah that's, that's, you, you made some very valid points and ones that i didn't think about and ones in which I, i've been I've emphasized a lot in the conversations that i've had so what i have found also interesting now and um obviously in the united states and around the world that we're experiencing these extraordinary climate issues particularly with the amount of heat that's um, going around particularly in the united states and a lot of people are utilizing this the, this 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 issue now as Saying essentially saying that the the, the mining of, of these cryptocurrencies and the, these these um, these blockchain and technology enabled platforms are obviously contributing to that. And the reason why I bring that up is because I feel like the, the use of cryptocurrencies and NFTs is going to be used against a, a lot of companies because of this energy issue, where truly I don't believe it should be. But talking to your point of the security around these smart contracts and the validation of these smart contracts, and now with obviously um, the the proof of proof of stake, now the ability to go back and see previous transactions to see if that's actually validated, and it speaks to your point around security. And I, I just remember learning about um, blockchain technology many years ago, and the whole thing was decentralized, the decentralized network, and allowing people to not actually manipulate that data and validate that data, which Kind of speaks to your point, and I do I do see the pros and cons, and I think it's very valuable for people to actually know that because I don't think people actually see that side that you've just highlighted. Now. So I'm glad that you did that, and um, we, we we are uh, we do have a bit more time. I did want to ask you, what are you most excited about? What, if if you were coming into this industry now, and it was and I had approached you uh, with the, the amount of experience that you have, what would you say something that you're most excited about based on your knowledge and based on um, what you're hearing in the industry? That's a really great yeah. I'm, I'm personally excited about the application of NFTs. Um, and, I'll, and I'll tell you 
I'll tell you why I'm not excited about certain things. And it's, it's not that I'm not excited to correct myself. It's more that I see a lot of challenge, okay? So I'm excited about the application of NFTs because I think we've had this massive boom and bust. Okay, fine. I do think in working in the industry and working with some really interesting you know, NFT platforms, I think we're going to see over the next couple of years some really neat applications come out where you have real-world value and you also have digital value. How does that manifest itself? I'm not sure. Like, you know, there's there's some things that I know we're, we're working on with clients, but there's other things that we, I just don't even know what, what's possible. But I do think there's a lot of possibility. What, what I'm concerned with and what I'm not as excited about is the regulation that surrounds everything, right? You know, I think it's important for everyone to remember that the, the governments, you know, they do have mandates to obviously, you know, help the most citizens and to keep things as safe and stable as possible, right? Um, fair enough. However, I think that because there's a lack of understanding about cryptocurrency, what tends to happen is we, like you, you mentioned before, Mike, we focus on these very, very narrow instances or use cases. Oh, Silk Road, ah, everything's terrible. You know, and that becomes the dominating force for creating regulation where there really shouldn't be or where there really shouldn't be much. You know, we really shouldn't have much regulation yet because we're still figuring things out, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm a little concerned about that, especially as it comes to privacy and especially as we start seeing a number of countries push forward on things like central bank digital currencies, right? CBDCs. And so central bank digital currency is basically the bank saying, we're going to create a cryptocurrency and we can track everything you spend your money on, everything you do, every transaction you have. We could press a button and take away all of your cryptocurrency if we wanted. We can see into your wallet, everything. And that's already happened in, it's already happening in China. We're seeing that happen in Canada as well. Mexico stepped up to the plate for that as well. I'm sure the United States will be quick to follow. So we're seeing it happen around the world and that concerns me. But what's exciting on the other side, like I said before, is these, this application of NFTs. I think that's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, and I, I do recall, and we, we, we have come to the end. I didn't know you need to jump off. But the one thing I would say, and I remember reading books on Uber, on uh, Airbnb, and the whole thing is that regulation stifles innovation. And I think you made a very, very good point in saying yeah. that we are still trying to figure this out. And I do believe that the integration and, and the involvement of these regulatory boards, yes, it's necessary, but I do think they need to be a bit more strategic in the way they go about doing this. So anyway... Hundred percent. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And this. And this. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Hundred. percent. Yeah. I mean, look. I think we can talk about this all day, but I just want to first of all thank you for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this. I would. I would love to have you back on uh, if you if you do want to come back on. I think our audience will take. Yeah, absolutely. Our audience will take a lot of value from this conversation and this podcast. So everyone, again, please like, share, subscribe. Kale, thank you so much for your time. I will put your information. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll put your company's information in the, in the description of the YouTube channel as well as our podcast. And, yeah, thank you for your time, and I hope to see you soon, Kale. Absolutely. Thanks. Take care. Good job.